But this is great because this is how I want this series to, to go. We're going to be in, in a series uh, talking about the signs of the sun. Uh, we're going to walk through um, the book of John and look at seven signs uh, that, that, that John does, in, in, or I'm sorry, that Jesus does in the book of John. Um, and uh, the reason why, we'll, we'll get into to the reason why he, uh, he writes about those. But then um, we're going to, after that, have a week break, um, connecting a couple sermon series, and then we're going to get into the I am statements in the book of John. So I tell you all that because um, if, you know, one of the things that, I, that people ask me, like, I don't know where to start reading the Bible, or I'm not reading it, where do I need to go? I always say the book of John. Uh, because it's a good place to start, but now even better because we're going to be in there for the next 16 weeks um, in the book of John. So, so read through it um, and uh, just familiarize yourself with it. So we'll be talking about signs. So signs, we know that signs, they, uh, they, they point to stuff, right? They, they, they not only point to stuff, they, they identify things, they lead us to, to some things. Um, and uh, when, we, when we think about signs, everybody can think about good signs or bad signs, right? We got no vehicles beyond this point sign over here. Um, we got the stop sign, got uh, the Marines parking only sign. I, I, it, for those of you who didn't get the joke, that was why Bobby came up here and sat. Um, but uh, my favorite's the one way pointing to the cross. You like it? You like it? But, you know, I, and I, I thought, you know, let's have some fun. Um, let, let's have some fun when we do this over the next, uh, so we'll be in the seven more weeks. Um, and uh, if you guys come across some appropriate signs, I'm, I'm going to stress appropriate signs that you, you want to, to show on the screen, um, feel free to, to email them to me or text them, whatever. And uh, maybe, maybe we should have a contest in the future. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Or maybe we'll do like lame church signs. Uh, not everybody can go up the street and get Pastor Rich's sign. Um, I, I, love, I make fun of his sign all the time. Uh, to him. I mean, him and I are good like that. But I, I got a couple signs here. I think I have like four or five signs that I, that I pulled off. I want uh, to kind of to show you guys and uh, have a good laugh. And uh, um, then we'll uh, get into what it is we're going to do. Uh, this is one that w w was good. Um, beware uh, wild animals slash children. Um, anybody have that at home? <laughs> yeah, we need it, right? Two hands, right? Animals and children, beware. Um, I, I do have a beware of dog sign. I think I need a beware of children, or at least a beware of Gabe sign, right? Um, what's that? Right, children and wild animals. <laughs> children first. All right, next one. I, I like this one. I was addicted to hokey pokey, but I turned myself around. I told that one to Jake this morning, and, and he, he chuckled, uh, because he, he says corny things like that. I, actually, I think that, here, here's the thing, I, I guarantee you, if, if somebody, um, hey, hey, Marlon, get a hold of Pastor Rich uh, and tell him, hey, I know what you need to put on your sign. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that you'll see this on his, on his sign. Uh, next one. Uh, this, is, this was funny. So stay off the tracks. They're only for trains. If you can read this, you're not a train. This was at a train station. This is, I got to put this behind my house because I got train tracks right behind my house. Um, Shans, I'm not going to say anything about, about your love and, and for, for trains. <laughs> Maybe. Choo-choo. Um, next. <laughs> is there life after death? Trespass and you'll find out. 
You, you like it? I like that one. It's pretty, pretty good. Next one. Now, I couldn't, I, I, I pulled these off the internet, and I couldn't figure out if this was from Michigan or West Virginia. Um, <laughs> warning to, to tourists, do not laugh at the natives, right? They get agitated. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it, right? <laughs> oh, man. So here's the deal. Signs can be fun. We can have positive signs. We can have negative signs. Uh, I mean, positive signs being uh, rest area one mile, right? Negative sign being rest area 62 miles. <laughs> but, but understanding what signs do is important. And what I want to do is um, uh, kind of understand why, um, why we have signs and really then kind of transition into the, like, that God uses signs as well. Uh, in the Bible, what we see in, in the Old Testament, um, and it's, we'll, we'll be in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, God uses signs. Uh, one of the most uh, um, uh, 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 common sign, or most, uh, what's the word, popular, that's the word I was looking for, most popular sign, I think, that, that, that is uh, uh, recognized is the rainbow. God uses the rainbow. Anybody tell me why God uses the rainbow? Promise he's not going to flood the world like he did at the time of Noah. Absolutely. It's a sign of a promise. Uh, God also uses signs um, on a negative aspect of, of the plagues, you know, the plagues in Egypt uh, to, to show his power and his glory. But he also uses miracles. And it's understanding why God does this, why God uses signs, is, is what I really want to press into. Um, and I, uh, I think it's important that we understand that um, he uses signs to reveal uh, himself by pointing to his glory. So, so think about that when you see the rainbow or you read about the plagues or you read about this, like God's using these signs to reveal himself to, by pointing to his glory. Now, when we talk about glory, that, that's something that I don't think that we really get our, our, our minds around. So I'm going to use another word um, kind of synonymously with glory uh, today. And, and this is something that, that um, I, 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 um, you'll know this word a little bit better, I guess, but it, that's majesty. When, when, you, when you think about majesty, what, what is it that you think about? What is that? Purple? Purple mountains, majesty, there you go. But purple, that's actually the sign of royalty, of majesty, absolutely. Uh, majesty, we think of kings and queens, and we think of, of um, the, the thrones. Well, understanding that, that it, it, mountains being huge, high, you know. Um, now I've got that song stuck in my, in my head. <laughs> uh, majesty. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> What we can understand, well, the, the, the mountains point to God. I mean, God's the, the, the creator of, of those, those, those big majestic things. But God uses signs to point to his majesty. And I, I think that um, what, what we really need to, uh, to, to focus on, or I want to use the word reminded. What we need to be reminded of uh, is, is God's majesty. Now, it's really been uh, heavy on my heart, and my, my, my wife can tell you, and, and my, my secretary can tell you the same thing, because I've been uh, really just, um, I haven't been moping, not moping, but just, it's been, it's been a, a heavy weight. Like, I, I believe that we've, we've really lost the, the focus on the majesty of God. And I'm not saying that, please don't hear me like I'm saying, you know, shame on you. I mean, we should, all of us should say, like, shame on me, that, that, that sucks, we shouldn't do that. But I think I want to use this as identifying something that, we're, that I think that we're missing. 
Because I, I think that, that as um, we, we miss um, the, the majesty of, of, of who Jesus is, we can fall into what um, uh, J.I. Packer calls uh, um, feeble faith and flabby worship. No, no one in here wants to have feeble faith and flabby worship. Now, and when I say worship, worship is not just what goes on up here on the stage in the singing, but how we're worshiping God with our lives. So I say that, and as J.I. Packer said, that the lack of acknowledging the majesty of God produces flabby worship and feeble faith, or put those back around, feeble faith and flabby. I can't even say it like that that many times in a row. But feeble faith and flabby worship, I, I think that, that, that what we need to do is, I don't, I don't think anybody in here wants to be flabby, right? Or feeble. No. Especially when it, is, when it comes to our, 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 our great God. So what I want to do is, I, I want to, to give you the, 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 um, uh, the quote that I gave you a few weeks ago to help really solidify this, and that's that same quote by uh, J.I. Packer that... Um, Living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent creator. You know, life becomes really, we understand that it's an awesome business. I I think too often what we we do is we have uh, the the understanding that I'm a Christian and that kind of we move on from there. What I want us to do is I I want us to, to, to ask the question, are we being effective as a Christian. And I think that everybody in here really wants to be effective. And I think that, that what we need to understand is we can be effective in our, in our walk with, with, with Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, well, why am I a Christian? Um, and I'm not saying this because I'm implying anything to anybody in here. I think that we just got to ask the questions to make sure that we're, uh, we're all on the same page. Um, if you answer that question, why I'm a Christian, uh, with the answer, well, because the alternative sucks then that's not a reason to, to, to follow Christ. As the air comes back into the room here, understand that if you just want to get out of hell, that's not why we follow Christ. We, un- we have to understand that, the, the, that uh, we follow Christ because, we, yeah, a, a product is we're not gonna, we won't go to hell, but we're going to spend eternity with him. So if your focus is not eternity with God, I think that this is where we got to start in the majestic realm here and the majesty of God is we've got to be able to see God for who he is and what he's going to be so that we can ask ourselves, do I want to be there? And we've got to be true about that. Now, I'm not saying that anybody in here should recant the Christianity. Nah, I'm not saying that at all. God bless you. You only get one. Um, but what I, I think that we need to, to ask ourselves is like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Because if we want to be effective in, in, in our walk with Christ, if we want to uh, be the one that, that is going to worship him, not flabbily, is that even a word, flabbily? Okay. Without flab, you know, if we don't, we don't want to worship him flabbedly, what we need to do is we need to identify him rightly. Um, If you have a Bible, I hope you do, turn to Revelation chapter 4. Because what I want to do is I want to paint this picture uh, of uh, what John said about um, the the end times. Uh, I know that everybody wants to get in the book of Revelation. uh, But you say we're going to be in the book of John. Yes, John wrote Revelation. 
Um, and, and I want us to, to see this picture because as we get into John, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, better understand the, the perspective in which John had and, and how we can, um, we can draw uh, from that. So as you've already turned there, I'll get there. That's the last book in the Bible, right? It's after the book of Second Opinions. Some are like, wait a second. I didn't see that in my... Com- yeah. What kind of version? All right, let's, let, let me just read this. And, um, and as I'm reading it, uh, let, let these, these, these words sink in. But, but, but think of this in the, in the sense of this is for eternity. This is, this is for eternity. This is what we have to look forward to. He writes, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. I I, I like that because here's the deal. Um, There's already one seated on the throne. You don't have to to, to try to, to, to take your place on that throne. And this is what John is communicating to us. He's communicating um, who, who, who God is and his majesty and reminding us here that, all right, he's on the throne. Quit trying to push him off the throne. He says here, verse 3, And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on those thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne, the big throne, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with a face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now, as as I read that, I I want us to to, to think about that statement that I said about the lack of acknowledging um, the the truth of, of God's majesty it makes our, our, our faith feeble and our worship flabby. If we have a, a proper image of what it is that awaits us, and this is not something of a, a pie in the sky, you know, a, a dream, like, or, or, or wishful thinking. 
This is God's word that has been revealed to us to say, okay, this is what you have to look forward to. So when we, when we, when we understand that, that, that our perspective, and this is what Paul talks about when he says that set your minds that are on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. He's saying put your perspective in the, in the sense of look at the majesty of God. Because when we look at the majesty of God, the things that, that, that we deal with here on earth I don't want to say they make sense because a lot of them don't make sense. But they're, we're able to deal with them because our, our focus is on him and we understand that he's still sitting on the throne. No, no matter how bad it's getting here. And I think that we need to get past this mindset of Jesus being our BFF. Now, hear me when I say this. Wait a second, Jesus is my friend. They even wrote a song about it, right? Jesus is a friend of mine. It's a great song. <laughs> a great song. Google it. <laughs> Don't, right? It's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but understand, yeah, is Jesus our friend? Yes, but he's not merely our, 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 our BFF. And I'll go one step further, and I'll, I'll say that, that Jesus is not only our Savior. Is that important? Absolutely, that's important. Is he our friend? He is our friend. The Bible tells us that. But Jesus is the Son of God, which trumps it all, which trumps everything else. Uh, any other title that, that is given to him is trumped by being the Son of God. And that's what we're going to, to, to see here, because when we understand that Jesus is the Son of God, and not just, now hear me when I say this, because I don't want to insult, again, I'm not insulting your intelligence, because lack of, you know, contrary to what my dad thinks, y'all are smart, all right? So, uh, he's just jealous. Uh, <laughs> don't give me the eyeballs. But I, I, I don't want you to think that, like, or, or, that I'm saying, like, y'all don't know that Jesus is the Son of God. I, I, I honestly believe that you, you know that. And it's here, but I think that we need to let it, let it drop to our heart so that our actions um, come forth as believing that he is the son of God. Not just knowing that he is the son of God. And some are going to push back, well, wait a second, now you're going back to that whole thing that we got to question our salvation. No, I'm not saying question your salvation. I'm asking you to question your motivation. Why are you seeking after God is it for the benefits in which he has for you? Or are you seeking after him because of who he is? If we're not seeking after him for who he is, we're, we're setting ourselves up for, for some heartache. And that's what, what John does is he, he explains to us, he lays the foundation by revealing who Jesus was slash is In telling us and showing us these signs that, that he performed to show us that he is the Son of God. So turn to, to John chapter 20 with me. In John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 30 and 31. If you've got um, the ESV translation like I've got here, maybe some other translations do the same thing. They have a little uh, title for this little, uh, uh, these two verses here, this little, this paragraph. It says, the purpose of this book. 
I mean, so right off the bat, we can, we can see that, that um, there, there's a focus here, and we're going to see what that purpose is, because John is very clear. The Apostle John is very, very, very clear why he wrote the Gospel of John. Um, there, there are uh, four Gospels in, in the New Testament. You guys are aware of that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're, they're referred to as the synoptic Gospels, and, and that just means that they, 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 they kind of synchronize, they go together. Well, you can look and see the stories in, in each of them, and you can kind of piece them, them all together. John kind of stands alone because John had a little bit different focus when he was uh, writing his Gospel than what, when uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they were uh, composing theirs. So John says very clearly, okay, this is why I did it. Why, why he waited until the last part of this, I don't know. Um, but uh, he, he, he writes very, very poignantly of his intention. Verse 30, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Pause for a second. These signs in which uh, are, are being talked about, these are, are, are miracles, all right? Jesus did miracles. We know by reading the other Gospels that there are some uh, miracles that John did not write down. That doesn't mean, and, and don't think that that means, well, those must not, not have been um, as important. No, that, that, that's not the, the, the case here. John w was on a specific task. He had a specific intention of what he wanted to capture um, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, but what he wanted to capture in this book. And he's saying that there's many other things that Jesus did. There's many other miracles and signs that, that, that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. They just, I, I just put and didn't, you know, didn't write them down in here. If you look further on, it says that there's not enough books in the world really to contain all that Jesus did. Here, when he's talking about these signs, these are not um, signs like we have up here, or stop signs and stuff like this. These are these miracles Understanding what a miracle is, I think, is important here. Because I, I and I caught myself, even this week, using that, 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 uh, um, the, the word miracle out of context. Because somebody said something to me, um, oh, shoot. Oh, I, I think it was somebody's, uh, oh, it was Debbie's birthday or something. I told her, happy birthday, and she said something about... Um, you know, thanks, and I can't believe you remembered or whatever. I didn't tell her that Shelly reminded me. Uh, but uh, anyways, I said something. Yeah, it's a miracle that I, uh, that, that, that I uh, remember because it was a day later that I actually remembered to tell her. I said, it's a miracle that I remembered. And after I said that, I'm just thinking like, man, I just totally took that way out of context. That's not what a miracle is. And I think that, I mean, it was an honest mistake. Yeah, okay, here's my time of confession. But I think that we all do that. We, we see things that happen in our lives and we say, oh, it's a miracle because this happened. Oh, it's a miracle because this happened. No, a, a, a real miracle, a true miracle, as defined by what the Bible tells us, is this. And I wrote this down for you. A marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of a divine agent. A marvelous event manifesting, bringing to life, a supernatural act of a divine agent. And it goes on to say, often with an emphasis on communicating a message. That's what we have here in the book of John. And John talks about these signs, these miracles. These are synonymous here. These signs and these miracles, they go together because they're emphasizing that he's communicating a message. 
And as we see here, we can see exactly what that message is. Let's read on. Verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John's main push here, his main point here, is he wants to clearly communicate to you, to me, to his audience here, that Jesus is the Messiah. But not only is he the Messiah, he is the Son of God. So if you're taking notes and you want like, well, what's the main point here? That Jesus is the Son of God. Why is that so very important, you might be asking? Well, because Jesus is the Son of God, he possesses the same attributes as the Father. What is that? What do you mean? Well, here, turn over to, keep your finger there in John. Turn over to the right to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Let me read something to you. Verse 3. It says, He, meaning Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, 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 so think about that. Remember, we're talking about this perspective of, of, of looking of who Jesus is and looking of our, our, our looking who God is, the, the, the majesty of God, because that's going to change the way in which we, we, we do life. The writer of Hebrews here is saying that, okay, if we want to know what the majesty of God looks like, because the Bible says that no one ever seen the Father except the Son. But if we want to see the Father, we look to the Son. Why can we look to the Son? S-O-N, not S-U-N. Don't go outside and start gazing up at the Sun. Well, what's going on? I get all these, these, these calls this week. Hey, I need you to come pray for my eyes. I got retina burns. Why? Because I was looking at the Sun. Oh, my dad was right. <sighs> what's that? That's where the fun is, right? If we can look to the sun, if we look to the sun, S-O-N, we could see the exact imprint, the radiance of the Father. And that's what is important, and that's what John is communicating here. He's saying that, that Jesus is the Son of God, and be, being that he is the Son of God, that we can understand what the Father looks like, how the Father acts, what we have to look forward to in the afterlife. So if we trespass, like that sign says, we, we're going to meet Jesus. And we can look forward to that. But he doesn't stop there just, and, and, and please don't hear me like I'm, I'm minimizing this because I'm not. He doesn't stop there just so you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It goes beyond. I mean, there's a purpose. There's a reason to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he says, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So his next point is here that by believing, by believing my declaration, John's saying this, John's saying by believing what it is you, that I'm saying about Jesus here, by identifying his signs and everything, that you may have life in his name. Now, understanding that that, that, that name is not just that, that, that and I know that there are they're they're really good Christian songs, but then there are really corny Christian songs as well. I think one of the corny ones, and, and don't 
don't, don't throw rocks at me, but whatever. I just think it is. One of the, the, the corny songs that are new or is, just, is the one that says, just say Jesus. Have you ever heard that? I think it's like that Colton Dixon guy. Just say Jesus when nothing, nothing's going well. Just say Jesus. It, it's more than just saying Jesus. It's, it, and that's what, he, it, it, what John is saying. It's, uh, you have life in his name, but it's not just J-E-S-U-S. It doesn't spell life. No, what, he, what, what John is explaining, it's the nature. It's what the name contains that gives life. And John says, okay, there's life in his name. But it's by believing that he is the Son of God and being that he is the Son of God, he possesses all power, all authority. And because he possesses all power, all authority, because he is sovereign over all, he has the ability, and not only the ability, he has the right to claim you and I as children of God if we believe in his name. And, and that's where the, the, this understanding of life comes. And I know you've heard me say this, and I, and I think that we, we, we really got to get a better grip on this. This eternal life doesn't start when you stop breathing. Eternal life starts when you go from death to life. It, it starts at the time, and the Bible says, when you're born again, when you're taken from the domain of darkness and you're transferred into the kingdom of the sun. That's where eternal life begins. But, but we, I encounter way too many, and I think that we encounter way too many Christians that they're, 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 they're looking forward to eternal life. And should, should, is that a bad thing that we're looking forward to? Yes and no. It's, it's bad in the sense that they don't, they're not grasping the, the eternalness that we have right now. That the Bible says that the Spirit of God dwells inside of us right now, the eternal God. The third person of the Trinity dwells inside of us right now, giving us life. It says giving, in, in Romans 8, giving life to our mortal bodies. So our, our, our eternal life is now. But, we're, but the devil has so lied to us and so deceived us into thinking that it's not until you die. In John 10, 10, when, when, when uh, uh, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life to the full or life abundantly. Understand that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have been lost to Satan forever. The Bible's very clear of that. You have been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the Spirit of God is, as Paul says, our guarantee that you're going to heaven. So if you have that guarantee, if we have that guarantee as, as a child of God that we're going to heaven, the, 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 the devil has lost us for eternity. What's he going to try to do? He, was, well, he wants to try to steal our life away right now. He wants us to think that, oh, eternal life doesn't happen, doesn't start until you die. And to be honest, he succeeded so many, in so many places with so many people. Because we're not living a life that we're like, wait a second, no, 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 no. I'm, I've got God in me. I've got eternalness in me. I don't have to listen to the devil and I don't have to believe his lies and, and, uh, of what he's saying about me. I'm going to live with the understanding that, that, that God has clearly said that I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Don't think that when Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples, like, it's better for you that I, that I leave 
Because I'm going to send the one that is going to be with you always. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. The paraclete. I, I love that. In the, in, in the original wording, that, that, that a paraclete means one who comes along beside of like the one who was here before. You, you catch that? One who comes along beside of like the one who was here before. Who was the one that was here before with, with the disciples? Jesus. So who, the, 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 the paraclete is one who comes along beside of like the one who was here before. So it's Jesus all the time, everywhere. Not, not just in situations, but he's saying all the time, everywhere. And being the son of God, as John's pointing out here, he has the power and the ability and the right to do that. So when we, when we look at this and we, we, we see that our life is now, our eternal life is now, our lives should reflect that. Now, I'm not saying that everybody turns into Billy Graham and runs out of here with their hair on fire and going, oh, Jesus, is it me? You'll probably get put in a loony bin. I, I think I like to look at it like, let's look at it like a dimmer switch. Like you, let's start to, to turn it up. Let's do it a little bit at a time. Grow into the, 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 the fire and the passion that, that, that God wants and design, has designed you for. Because if you go from from just flipping the switch, you, you probably be viewed as a, as a loony. But if you do the, 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 the frog in the boiling pan approach, man, you're going to be able to impact and penetrate into people's lives, and they're not even going to know what hit them. They're going to be, they're, they're going to one day turn around and like, wait a second, I'm a Christian. It's all your fault, Bobby. <laughs> it, it just turn it out. But understand that it starts with, with, with living and be, believing that, 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 that God lives in me now. And that my eternal life is now. Does it go on to, to after death? Absolutely. You, you've heard one of my, one of my, my, my philosophies for ministry is the, the, the sanctification suitcase. That we will take with us that in which we learn and the, the growth in which we have in Christ. How is that even possible? It's because eternal life transcends this time in the age to come. It's forever. How do we make sense of all of this? Accepting the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, it causes a response. And that's what John is trying to get out of us out of his, his, his own, uh, his audience here, and then essentially us, is a response. How do you respond to that? I mean, I look out over this, and I would say the overwhelming majority of people have responded to Jesus as the Son of God and as the Messiah and have put faith and trust in him. I would believe that. But Jesus, being the Son of God, is not only good for salvation. He's good for sanctification as well. The gospel is not only a one-time thing. It's something that we are to live in. If we're going to, to, to take this to heart, I, I think that we need to understand that if Jesus is who John says he is, and as later we're going to see, as Jesus says about himself, who he is, but if Jesus is who John says he is, this should radically affect our life. This should change our lives. We should be infectious. 
I, I, I mean, it motivates me in the sense that like if we, and please don't, don't, don't hear this as a dig, but if we are living lives that are radically changed by God, I mean, the, these chairs in which we have here wouldn't be enough. Now, that's not as to, to guilt anybody, but I, I think that that's just like, okay, let, let's look at this then. I'm saying that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but am I living as Jesus is the Son of God? Now, that doesn't mean to go out and just to prove me wrong, you out, and, and you invite 20 people to church next Sunday. I mean, awesome if you did, whatever. But I'm not, that's, not, that's not the point. The point is, if, if, if we're going to be affected by the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that's not only going to affect our lives, that's going to affect the lives of those around us as well. So talking about church growth strategy, I don't have a church growth strategy. I don't know any other than let's just focus on who Jesus is. Because when we focus on who Jesus is, we're putting all of our hope and all of our eggs in one basket. We're saying, okay, God, I want to live my life for you. I want to look to Jesus and I want to be able to say, he's the son of God. And because he's the son of God, my life's different. That's what I want to do over the next few weeks in, in, in this series, is just have that, that, that focus of reclaiming the majesty of God. And, and how we're going to re- reclaim the majesty of God among his people is investigating his nature revealed through what John writes about in the signs. So each week what we're going to do is we're going to go through um, a, a, a sign and then we're going to look at, okay, how is the nature of God revealed? I mean, we'll teach through the text and we'll answer some questions about that. I mean, I know everybody's already chomping at the bit because you're thinking, wait a second, the first sign, water into wine. All right, we'll answer some questions about that. But we're not going to just answer questions about can I drink or can I not drink? Or is it grape juice or is it strong drink? We'll answer questions like that. But what I really want to get to is what does that reveal about the nature of God? How does that reveal that Jesus is the Son of God? And how can that affect my life now? All right, let's pray. Our Father God, we, uh, we thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, as we've uh, started into this, this new series, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to reclaiming the, your majesty in my life um, and in the lives of, of our people here, of your people here um, in, our, in this church. Uh, God, I, I ask that we can uh, just stay, stay focused through, through this time to, to, together. Uh, Lord, that we can uh, um, not just stay here and, and focus on you and, and learn about you, but as we go, we can think all week, like, okay, how, how am I looking at, at, your, at the majesty of God? How am I uh, maybe not living um, what it is that I believe? Or uh, what, what can I do better? I mean, I, I think that the, the radical transformation may just be little small increments along the way, but it's something that can be seen. God, I ask that you empower us as you have promised to do. Uh, Lord, that you keep us focused, uh, Lord, and that we give all uh, glory to you. Um, God, as we have uh, elements up here for communion, uh, Lord, I ask that you bless these, uh, these, these elements. Um, God, as people partake of the elements, I ask that they, they do it um, in, in a manner that is worthy of you. Uh, Lord, that, that um, you said that as often as we do this, that we remember you. 
um, God, let us just get right with you. Let us uh, um, take uh, this time to, to, to remember what it is that you've done and also as you, it is that you, what it is you've done, but remember your majesty as well. So God, we thank you. Father, we love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.